Welcome to the Bedford First Assembly of God podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message. We'd love to hear what God is doing through this ministry. If you have a story to share, send us an email at connect at bedfordfirstag.org. Also, feel free to visit our website at bedfordfirstag.org. You can view the live stream of our services and find out more about our church. Thanks for listening. Great to have you in the house of the Lord this wonderful, wonderful morning. Uh, We are right in the area of Easter, Palm Sunday, of course. uh, The last service for me will be as the interim pastor, not the last service for me, but the last service as the interim pastor will be uh, uh, Palm Sunday. But I've been really just sort of thinking about and, and, and looking at the things that surround Palm Sunday before and after. And so uh, I, I got a title of the message this morning, Clearing the Bench. Uh, how many's ever watched a sporting event? Uh, baseball's great at it. You know, they, they throw the high and inside ball, and the guy gets mad, and they clear the benches. Uh, and so they all run out there to beat each other up. <laughs> it's just idiots. And so uh, you run out there to beat each other up, and then, uh, you know, they calm it all down, send everybody home. Well, I want to tell you this morning that the Lord, in, in my scriptures today, basically cleared the benches. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 21. It's not on the overhead. We're going to go to verse uh, 12 and 13. Uh, it is about Jesus coming into the temple towards the end of his life. And uh, he does this, if, you, uh, or if you're with me. Uh, Matthew 21, uh, 12 and 13. Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he says, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers or thieves. There was uh, some years ago, a, a matter of fact, it was Peter Marshall wrote a, sort of an excerpt on all of this. Uh, from this portion of Scripture. I just want to read it to you this morning. It's just a few paragraphs long. But it it describes in a very interesting way uh, this scene that we're observing today. It goes like this. It is early morning, but already the temple court is, is a bedlam of activity and noise. Among the tables of the money changers, uh, the cages of dove and stalls of cattle, people are crowded about, chatting with their friends. Selecting a dove for sacrifice, getting their money from countries like Persia, Egypt, Greece, uh, exchanged into the sacred half-shekel of the sanctuary. It's convenient to buy sacrifices on the spot and soon have to drag them from far distances. It is helpful to be able to exchange money bearing the head of an emperor for the statutory half-shekel. And so, convenience for all and profitable for many. The temple has become a recognized institution. Shrill voices arguing, bickering, swearing angrily. The metallic tinkle of coins as they drop into the money boxes on the tables. All the signs of greed can be heard just outside the holy place. There is no serenity. There is no peace. No one can pray there. Suddenly, (laughs) 
Suddenly there is a lull in the confusion. Startled at the sudden quiet, we look up to find a strange yet familiar figure standing between two of the gigantic stone columns. It's Jesus. His face burning with intensity. His face magnificent in His wrath. As he steps forward with the resolution and firmness born of the terrible conviction within him, there is a look, (laughs) there's a look in his eyes before which man break away. His lips are drawn into a thin line. Stooping down, he picks up some bindings that the merchants have discarded and he knots them together into a whip. There is something in his attitude in his eyes, in his face, which makes men look at him with an uneasiness in their own eyes. And then, and then the full fury of his wrath breaks. In a few long strides, he is across the court, picking up the boxes filled with money. Scornfully and deliberately, he upends them on the floor, and they're tinkling and bouncing around, rolling a hundred different directions. Table go crashing to the floor, and the money changers rush to gather up their coins from the filthy floor. In their greed, they grovel in the dirt, uh, uh, pouncing upon their money and screaming in protest of the man with the whip standing over them. And then he drives out the terror-stricken cattle. Not a single hand is raised against him. I wonder why. Even the temple guards, there were temple guards there, only stand and watch helplessly. Wow. His voice rings out, echoing among the pillars, and sounds like the voice of doom, like the voice of God himself. And he says again, it is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Wow. I love that illustration that, uh, that he wrote about this. This is really what happened that day. Uh, if you would have been there, if I was able to be there, it was an awful time where God's uh, uh, just got sick and tired of it all. But I would ask you a very simple question. What was he angry at? What was God angry at? What was Jesus angry at? See, I, I want to, let me tell you a little bit about the, the temple, if I may. The temple, if you would go there when it, it was built at this time, would stand about 15 stories off the ground above the Kidron Valley. And uh, it was about 500 yards long. That's five football fields. It was 400 yards wide, four football fields. And the outer court, which he was attacking, could, could really fit about 48 basketball courts in it. 48 basketball courts in this outward temple area. And he is running around out there like a crazy guy, tearing things up, throwing things over, the look in his eyes. Have you ever run across somebody that would stop you in, there, in, in your tracks with just a look? Have you ever ran into somebody like that? Oh, yeah. You give the look. And people go, well, I don't mess. I think I can whip this guy, but I think I'm going to get hurt in the process. I don't think I'll do this. 
Not a single person raised their hand against Jesus that day. The temple guards went, not me. How about you? No, 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 not me. This guy looks a little crazy. Because all you have to do is be a little bit crazy for having people back up from you. And Jesus was in the mood. He said, oh, I thought Jesus was always kind and gentle and loving and caring. Oh, yeah. Let's see, he called the, uh, the religious leaders back there uh, that their father was the devil. <laughs> Gee, come on. Jesus had some attitude. And even whenever he was angry, he sinned not. Because the Bible says that's what he has to do. Be angry and sin not. But Jesus was taking care of business that day. And you ask yourself a very simple question again. What was he so angry about? Let me tell you a little bit about why he was so angry. Worshippers had come from great distances. Again, we talk about uh, uh, Egypt and Greece and various other things. And, and they're gathering together in the temple to offer sacrifices. And in the courtyard, there is all of these people selling and buying. And it is a good thing, not a bad thing. Because you don't want to drag your sheep or your goat or your, your bull or whatever it is hundreds and hundreds of miles just to sacrifice. It's easier to go in there and go, hey, you got something for me to buy today? I'm going to sacrifice to the Lord. It was a convenience for so many, many, many people. But what had happened is this convenience had turned into something that was very, very awful. And so it was a money-making scheme directed at the house of God. And so the priest and the politicians at that time had some, uh, I don't know, some strict controls over this uh, buying and selling. And uh, so again, once the merchants had their uh, you know, feet in on this, this deal, they were able to do about what they wanted to do. Money changers would uh, sell high price and exchange high prices. Uh, when we went to uh, Nicaragua some years ago, uh, Chris uh, Stubbs, and, I mean Chris, uh, Chris Martin and, and a bunch of us went down to do some missions work. It was so funny. We were exchanging American money for, for uh, uh, the, the money that they were serving down there. And so Chris uh, uh, Martin had done this a few times. So we're just driving down the road. And then he says, we need to pull over right here. I said, okay. So we pull over. There's about 15 of us in the, in the van. And so we all get out. We go, what's going on? And out of the bushes <laughs> comes people, you know. And, and they're here, here, here. You know, here's money. Here, you exchange right here. And I'm going, dude, what's going on here? And so, you know, they got their calculator out. We got our calculator. We're exchanging money down there. And, uh, and I, I, I said something to Chris in, in joking. I said, what's... What hinders us just from taking their money? You know, I mean, how, they don't know who we are. Uh, probably because there's snipers up here watching your head. <laughs> you know, if you take something, you get killed. Here, down here, these people were exchanging money, but they were making an exorbitant amount of money on people wanting to uh, give something to the kingdom of God. And so, you think, well, why don't somebody start a different place to buy and sell? Well, the priests had got that covered too. Because 
you could not buy and sell from anyone else because the priests were the ones that determined whether something was okay to be sacrificed. They had to inspect it. And so you buy something from someone else and they know about it. You bring your goat or, your, or whatever, your dove. No, that's not good enough. Get it out of here. Well, I just bought it. Well, you didn't buy it from my people. It was a scam going on there in this temple court. And what he said at the very end of my, my, the scriptures I read to you is he says, my house was supposed to be a house of prayer. And you guys have turned it into just a fiasco. And there wasn't anything wrong with having things there to buy and sell because people come from long distances. But it had turned into a very corrupt and horrible thing that was taking place. And I, I understand and I know because I've been around church a long time that we have sometimes, oh, you used to have singing groups, Southern Gospel, whatever else, and we have different people come and go, and they sell their merchandise out there. And I know people are going, oh, we're buying and selling in the courtyard. Well, no, not really. Not like this. That's not what Jesus was mad about. It was mad because people were dishonoring his house, dishonoring what he was doing. Now, in the Old Testament, there's a few people that uh, dishonored and got in trouble for it. I don't know if you understand or know or have read, but there's uh, Nadab and Abihu. Anybody know Nadab and Abihu? <clears throat> they were the sons of the high priest Aaron, and they were the nephews of Moses. And they came to work one day. They were, they were priests also. And they came to work one day to do the job of the priesthood. And then the fire had went out on the altars and things. And so they were supposed to go somewhere and get the fire that was approved. And Nadab and Abihu says, you know what, I don't really care about going all this distance to get this sacred fire. Uh, you got, a, you got a, a cigarette lighter? Yeah, I got one right here. Okay, let's fire this thing up. And so they fired up uh, the, the, uh, the, the flame with whatever they had there. Probably not a, a bick or anything. They fired it up with just fire. Fire came out uh, from God, it says, and it killed them. And then God spoke to, uh, to uh, uh, them too and says, Look, at their funeral, don't put on any ashes. Don't put on any sackcloth. Don't, don't mourn these guys. They knew what they were doing, and they got their just reward or punishment. You have another example in the Old Testament about a guy called King Uzziah. King Uzziah was an incredible king for many, many years. He was a very godly king for many, many years. But whenever he got full of himself uh, and how important he was, one day he started entering into the temple and he was going to go and burn incense on the altar of incense. And the, and the priest said, oh, no, no, you can't do that. That's not for you. That's for us. Don't do this. He says, dude, you don't understand. I'm the king. I'll do what I want to do. And as soon as he broke by them to go offer the sacrifice, he developed leprosy. And from that moment to the day he died, he had leprosy. And you say, well, wow, that's pretty wild. Matter of fact, he was not allowed in the temple anymore because of leprosy. He lived in a different house uh, because of leprosy. And again, he died of leprosy. And my, my thought process has always been if Aaron 
The high priest and his sons and the king that was so godly for a long time did not get spared. I'm not sure that we get spared so much ourselves. And everyone here says, well, Old Testament, Pastor. That's all Old Testament. Ah, can I read you a scripture? It's a fun scripture filled with joy, peace, and love. (laughs) Hebrews 10, 26-31. If we deliberately keep sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sin is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy. I just read you two of them. On the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think someone deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot? Who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified them? And who has insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know, whom, we know him who said, It is mine to avenge, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a dreadful thing. It's a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. You say, wow, thank you very much, Pastor. Can we go home now? <laughs> There's good news. The grace of our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ has cleansed us from all sin. And, and made us worthy to stand in His presence. But I would ask you a question of what things are God's nowadays. I mean, in the Old Testament, we see the temple. Uh, and we see them going in the temple uh, uh, with, with, with strange far, as it says about Nadab and Abihu, or the, or the king going in to offer uh, incense on the incense altar that was not approved for him to do. They both got their just reward. And we say to ourselves, well, it, is it the temple here? Uh, you know, this is a great place, and, and I would be glad to finally see it filled back up again with people. But this is a cool place. I mean, it really is, but this building is not what God considers a great place. What he wants you to know nowadays is that you and I are the temple of God. And so whenever we we talk about them heading in in the Old Testament into the temple and getting uh, killed and destroyed by what they were doing, we say to ourselves, we don't have a temple now. You know, nobody uh, is going to the temple in Israel right now. They will have one someday. They'll rebuild. And, and this, this, this is just a bunch of brick and mortar and uh, drywall and electrical and PA and that kind of stuff. God is not impressed with this. But he is definitely impressed with you. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, most people say, well, there's freedom. But where the Spirit of the Lord is, That is where he resides. Whenever Jesus died on the cross and the the veil was rent from top to bottom, uh, it signified that we were able to go into the holies of holies, but it signified another thing also, that the Holy Spirit, that God came out of the holy holies into the midst of his people. Whenever you come to a place of salvation in your life, You come to an altar there at your uh, house or wherever you're at and you say, Lord, forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me from all my unrighteousness. Be my Lord and my Savior. Guess what? The Holy Spirit comes along. 
The Holy Spirit comes along, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, baptizes you in the body of Christ, raises you up to new life. I would love, I don't want to be in his kingdom, but I'd love to be standing there in Satan's kingdom whenever one of us gets saved and all of a sudden we are dead to that kingdom and we are alive over there. And Satan says, where in the world did that one go? They were standing right here in my kingdom just a minute ago and now they're gone. What has happened? You've been born again. And because you are born again, the Holy Spirit lives within you. Every one of us here this morning that knows Jesus Christ as a personal Savior and Lord has the Holy Spirit within them. You say, I thought you only had the Holy Spirit when you got baptized in the Holy Spirit speaking in other tongues. No, no, no. Every person that gets saved drinks of the Spirit of God and is saved because the Spirit resides in you. Now, there is a baptism in the Holy Spirit evidenced by speaking in other tongues, but everyone that gets saved drinks of the Holy Spirit and is born again and so we don't have one big massive place that's called the sanctuary this place here is nice and big and I told you how big the uh, uh, the temple was back then it was impressive it was massive uh, there was oh, it was cool but that was not where God wanted to finally settle he is settling in you and in me. We are his temple. The word of God said to us in the prophecy, don't be afraid of the darkness. Go out in the highways and byways and hedges and share your voice and share your light with people because people need Jesus. And people say, well, I, I'm afraid. I don't know. You are the temple of the living God. Man, I don't know if we really understand all of that. The deal is, the God of the universe, here's God in, in, in eternity past. They're talking, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. They're talking, okay, what are we going to do? Well, let's create this universe. Before the universe was ever created, uh, they are God. Singular God. And then they create the universe, and then they create uh, uh, earth, and they throw Satan out because of his, and, and they create this earth, and then they create us. And, and now the God of the universe, which keeps control over everything in this world, comes and lives within an individual. Come on. Seriously. The God with a spoken word that has created light. That has given, matter of fact, if you read your scriptures right, light was here before there was a sun. Read Genesis. Light was here before there ever was a sun. Why? Because God was here. And the God that holds everything together in this universe lives in me. That is mind boggling it should blow your brain and so now we are we are people uh, this average normal everyday people that go oh okay i was born and shaping in iniquity i grew up and i went through all this stuff and but what am i now i'm a child of god if you're if you know jesus so you might think that this building is the temple but it's not but there is a church here, and it's not the temple, it's people. 
There is a worldwide church that every Christian is a part of. And uh, around the world, uh, parts of it meet in different places. We meet here. And I, I want to uh, not discourage you at all. We need a place to meet. And we need a place to, uh, to join together, worship as we worship in unity today, and see God do amazing things. But the deal is, for the first maybe three or four hundred years of the Christian church, they didn't have any temples. They, they met in homes and, and maybe in some rented spaces, uh, some public places. That's where they met. And so this is very new, really, in, in the annals of, of, of meeting together. But God does consider a couple things His temple. And this church, you, me, is one of those things. 1 Corinthians 3.16 Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit lives in you? We are a sacred group of people. How many feels sacred? <laughs> okay. Mine's about halfway up because sometimes I do and sometimes I don't. But in reality, I'm a sacred person. God lives in me. As much as I don't deserve it, and I, I, some of you may say, well, I deserve it. You know, I, I'm a good guy. I'm a good gal. I, I deserve God living in me. Oh, my goodness. I am such a horrible person for God to want to live in me. You say, Pastor, you're up there in the pulpit. Oh, I'm just saying whatever one of us should say. We are horrible people sometimes. But the God of the universe lives within us. And so we look and we go, okay, it's a church uh, uh, jointly. And then we say, uh, you know, uh, the Holy Spirit lives within us. We are His temple. Uh, and, and, and because we are His temple, we have a serious responsibility. I don't think we should take church lightly. And I don't think we should uh, treat ourselves as recipients of the Holy Spirit lightly. I don't think that's how this thing goes. Because you see in the Old Testament, I just read to you, uh, there are some times that people got out of the whack of what God wanted to do, and they were killed. When Jesus entered Jerusalem that day, he wanted a clean house. Now again, buying and selling was okay under certain circumstances. He wanted to remove sin. He wanted to them to know that the temple back then belonged to him that this temple would be a temple of prayer. And so he ran into that place to clean. And Ephesians tells us this, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, the church, to make her what? Holy. Cleansing her by washing with water through the word. And to present her to himself a radiant church. Are you a radiant church this morning? A radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless. This is what the world is looking for. A church that's not 
pious and above everybody. Uh, whenever I look at sinners uh, in this world, uh, I don't say, well, they are sinners and I'm not. You know, the Pharisee, uh, oh, God, thank you that I'm not a sinner like this, uh, you know, uh, uh, tax collector. You know, I'm better than him. I give of money. and I got No, no, no. I look at the people in the world and recognize I'm the same as they are except for the grace of God that saved me. That's it. That's all that makes us different. And so we need to be not a pious group of people, but we need to be a confident group of people that God wants to use us. As the word came to us this morning uh, about going out and, and witnessing, we need to take that serious because he loved us and then gave himself for us during this time that we celebrate Easter. So I don't think he'll settle for much less than that. A holy church. And each of us is a temple within this church. 1 Corinthians 6. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a what? A price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Can I, can I meddle just for a minute? I, see, I've only got a couple weeks left. Pastor Chris can, can clean it all up. The Holy Spirit living in you, you should feel uncomfortable when coarse language is spoken around you. You should feel uncomfortable watching an immoral show on your TV. I've always said the most hypocritical thing I've ever heard is somebody watching a DVD or a VCR back in the day and, and saying, oh, well, it was on my TV and it was cursing and carrying on and swearing. It's your VCR or your or DVD, turn it off. You should feel uncomfortable if you are looking at sleazy books. You need to be uncomfortable looking at items that you shouldn't be looking at in the Internet. You cannot say, you cannot say, oh, well, that's just the way I am. Or, well, I, I, and nobody, nobody's perfect. You are the temple of the, ho, of the high God. And God holds you and I to a high standard. It's been amazing to me down through the years to hear people say, you know, they're talking about their favorite show. And... Uh, that has a good plot. It's got a good plot line. Oh, yeah, Pastor, they've only used God's name in vain three, three times in this thing. Uh, oh, you know, there's only been three sex scenes, and, you know, there's only been, uh, uh, you know, nudity and this and that. So, yeah, I just, you know, I don't know. I, it was, it's a good plot line, though. I don't give what? I don't give a care what plot line it is. We should be, because of the Holy Spirit within us, repulsed by the things of this world in that sense. We have the Holy Spirit living within us. Have you ever watched something or done something or observed something, and in your gut there was a, oh, I feel a little oogie about this. That is the Holy Spirit saying, stop it, you're hurting me. You say it didn't hurt me, it hurt him though. The Holy Spirit living within you. 
If these guys in the Old Testament, Uzziah was an incredible king, an incredible godly king, tore down the, uh, the, the, uh, the places where, where, where idols were built. He did a great job, but he came to a place where he said, I can do what I want to do in the kingdom of God, I mean in, in the temple of God, and he got leprosy because of it and died. And so we here, we go, well, you know, grace of God's pretty big. I think I can do about whatever I want to do in the grace of God. It is the grace of God that forgives. It is the blood of God that cleanses. It is the grace of God that allows you time and time and time again to come back and say, oh, Lord, forgive me. But Paul says, let's not use our liberty and the grace of God so that we can go ahead and sin and do whatever we want to do. One of the best ways for this church to grow and be a minister in this community is to take your life with Christ seriously. You say, well, if, 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 I, if I did that, there'd be nothing on TV I could watch. Probably. <laughs> there, there, I, I couldn't look at this and do that. Well, maybe you can't. Now, I'm no more spiritual than anyone else. But I've been in a movie house from time to time where something happened. Good plot line, something happens. Jackie and I get up and walk out. You say, you just paid your money for this great movie. I don't care. Get up and walk out. They have this thing called a remote control. Click it off. My dad, I think I've told people who's been around here for a long time, my dad's funny. Uh, he's with Jesus now. Uh, but anyway, we got our first TV, and I was a, just a young teenager. And we put it in the thing, and something happened uh, that one of the people on, on one of the shows, a very light, as we would call it, curse word. My dad literally picked up the TV and was headed out to the front yard with it. He was going to trash this thing right then, right there. And, of course, all of us in, uh, enlightened youth kids, my sister's older than me and my, some younger, Dad, please don't. That, this is the only time that I'll ever do that. Don't, don't, don't crash it. We want to watch it. Come on, get it back in here. And so finally he, he gave in, brought it back in, set it up, and he says, if you ever hear below, you know, you know, perfectly. I thought, and I learned something by that that day. It's okay not to be with the world and all this stuff. Uh, I worked in, in Cuneo Press in Kokomo, Indiana, and there was a guy in there that was the vilest person I've ever been around in my life. He was the funniest person I've ever been around in my life. He was sitting behind me at the lunch break table, and he's telling this filthy joke that I'm trying not to, not to hear, not to do. And he gets to the punchline. Filthy joke. Gets to the punchline, and it is so funny, I spit my food. I... <laughs> I had to go out and repent. <laughs> I had to go out and say, oh, God, please help me. That was so funny. And some people say to me, Pastor, you know, I, I work in these factories, and, uh, you know, they can use God's name in vain all day. It doesn't bother me anymore. It doesn't affect me anymore. That's not something to brag about. That's not something to brag about. We need to be bothered by these things in our lives. Why? Because we're so holy and righteous? No, because God is living within us. 
And I would tell you that if we are more sensitive to the Holy Spirit that lives within us, He would tell us, get away from that, stop doing that, get over here, uh, stop you know, indulging in that, stop watching that. He would tell us those things if we could hear His voice. He really would. He was telling these guys, Nadab and Abihu, don't do this. Don't do this. I put on you. I'll go do it anyway. He was telling the king, because even the priest ran in to stop him. King, don't do this. You don't think the Holy Spirit was talking to him? You say, Holy Spirit is just a New Testament thing. No, no, no. It's in the Old Testament. It's in the Old Testament. Samson had the Holy Spirit come on him from time to time to give him the strength. And so he was telling Uzziah, don't do this, Uzziah. Oh, I'm, I'm cool enough. I, I have enough power to go do this. I hope and I pray, because I, I got a couple more weeks, and then I want to pass this thing off to Pastor Chris and Amy. They're going to do a great job. But I want to tell you, the best thing you can do for yourself is take your relationship with God seriously. That things of this world that we are involved in bother us. Thank you. Bother us. Man, I, I tell you if, all you, if you're watching a TV show with me around and the GD comes out, that's it for me. I'm, I'm gone. I'm out of there. And some people would say, sheesh, what? it'll just happen and go on with it. Cursing the God, God's name. And we, we are okay with it. Man, I don't want to be like the guys in the Old Testament or in the New Testament, falling into the hands of an angry God. Woo! Don't want it. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. But I think as we move forward and God starts doing incredible works in this place, and He's going to, we need to say to ourselves, Lord, I want to take my relationship to, with you seriously. And what that will look like, and I'm going to close here in just a second, what that will look like is the Lord speaking to you, not yell at you, but speak to you in very nice language, saying, look, you need to change that. How many would be willing to change something if God told you? Yeah. We had a, a lady in our second pastorate, and again, I've, I've shared this with my, the church here years ago. In my second pastorate, she wore long, dangly earrings. And she was a cute girl, uh, could monster guitar player. And so she... Got, was getting ready uh, on, a, on a morning, looked in the mirror, had the long dangly earrings. The Lord spoke to her and said, take those earrings off and don't ever wear dangly earrings again. No, it's not you. And so she said, why, God? And he says, because you, you have too much pride in those things and, and what it makes you look like. So she took off the, the dangly earrings. She wore post after that or, you know, diamond studs or something of that nature. Now, if I got in front of a congregation that says all dangly earrings must go, up, go away, you'd all think I've lost my mind. And I would have. Because there's nothing wrong with dangly earrings except to her. The Lord made a point in saying to her, this bothers your spiritual walk. Take them off and never wear them again. And I assume she's never put them back on. But you can't preach that because that's stupid. But you can hear the voice of God and say, yes, Lord. I will do what you're asking me to do. I will change this in my life. And you know what? It's not to box you up and put you in this little place. It is to free you 
that the Spirit of God would flow through you more than ever before. Amen. Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord God. And I don't want this to be a negative sermon for this wonderful, wonderful people. But Lord God, I want us to understand that if our relationship with you is so wonderful and great, that Lord God, you will bless it. You will speak to us about the lives that we live and the things we do. You will heighten our interest and our, and our understanding of things we shouldn't be a part of. Not to punish us, but Lord God, to make us better Christians than we've ever been before. Father, bless this people. Bless them, Lord God, with your spirit and your power. And Lord God, we give you thanks and praise and glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Before we leave today, as I always do, if you have a need, I don't care what it's for. Might be for Daniel earrings. I don't, maybe for, that God is speaking to your heart and your life about something. It may be for healing. Maybe for salvation this morning. There'll be some prayer people down here waiting on you if you need prayer. Amen. But I want you here just to stand and come. There's some coming already. I need my prayer people. You just say, I, I, I just need something from the Lord. It may not be sin in your life or anything else. It may just be a need that you have that you need God to speak to you about. Even our young kids here today, if they need something from the Lord or want to pray with somebody, they do this in their, their uh, class all the time. Anybody else, very quickly, let's just trust the Lord that He's going to tell us what to do, how to do, when to do. Thank you, Father. We're going to close here in just a second. Thank you, Lord. Let's just sing one, and then before we close. Yeah, thank you, Lord. We're just going to wait on the Lord just for a moment. Holy, there is no one like you. Anybody else very quickly needs Worthy of 
give all the praise we could ever bring. Anybody else before we close? Worthy of every breath we could ever pray as long as they like to today. It's been good to have you in the house of the Lord. I glanced up at the clock and I'm a long-winded guy or something. I don't know. But it's okay. The Lord has been good. We're all here in His presence. Let God bless you, minister to. Don't resist Him speaking to your heart. He does to mine all the time. Sometimes I don't want it. Sometimes I do. Amen. But it's been good to have you in the house of the Lord. Greet somebody, Lord. Tell somebody you love them. Give somebody a handshake. Hug around the neck as you leave. And we'll let people pray around the altars. God bless you this morning. You're dismissed. God bless you.